This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. And good morning, Devin. Good to have you for another edition of Talking Guns, my friend. Good morning, Don. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Boy, we got a busy show this morning. I can't ever remember. We've got so many things to talk about as we do this morning. I can never, I can never remember anything, so I'm right there with you. I'm just a, <laughs> a clean slate walking around aimlessly from day to day. You know, I, I used to know a guy like that. It was like he was a chicken. And he, every morning he hatched out of an egg into a brand new world. He had no memory or recall of anything. And Tell you what, it was a great way to operate, I think. <laughs> yeah, it sounds terrible, but I'm right there. Yeah, I'm in the same boat, right there with you. <laughs> well, uh, I'll tell you what we want to do is start off talking about uh, legislation. You know, we're getting into the legislation season, and we got a couple of bills that, that are going to be going forward, maybe more than a couple, but some very interesting ones. One thing I'm, I'm happy to announce was, you know, up in Caddo Parish, their parish commission uh, proposed another one of those famous assault weapon bans. Uh, which, you know, they've been not having much success lately. And this one also died a, a pretty quick death. But, and again, it kind of gets back, you know, they can't identify what exactly is an assault weapon. Do you have a definition for an assault weapon? I'm glad you said that. So I looked at that uh, last night and Friday, um, Friday night and, and Thursday night, and it's such a sloppily written um, bill when they tried to, tried to introduce it. I don't really understand what they mean to ban. I mean, I think everybody familiar or unfamiliar with firearms kind of knows what they mean when they say an assault weapon. But, um, I mean, if they plan to get rid of semi-automatic rifles or semi-automatic firearms, um, I mean, that's 95% of the guns that we sell. So I don't think they know. Um, I couldn't really make heads or tails of it, either a magazine-fed semi-auto. I think it's more to do with what it looks like. Um, people yeah. throw that military-style quote around. I don't. I have no idea what that means either. I mean, I guess it's the way it looks. But, um, but yeah, thankfully they turned that down. But I think, I mean, I'm sure in the next 50 years, unfortunately, it's going to keep coming up until something bad, you know, happens for your Second Amendment. Uh, but, yeah, I have no idea what assault weapon means or how they plan to classified in large um i have no idea what do you think is you know some of these some of these bills are, are what i call feel-good bills you know they just put something together that's poorly worded it's not well thought out there's no science or logic to back it and they're just appeasing someone and saying look what i'm doing for gun right you know for say gun safety and then it dies and you know they get credit for at least trying even though it was a, a very poor try and that's what that one's all about. Now, this House Bill 72, now, I've talked to Representative Danny McCormick about this one. This is a serious bill, and it's given me a lot of attention. This is the one where you will no longer be required to have a concealed carry permit to carry a concealed weapon on your person. 
And he made some very good points for it. And, you know, we had some people who opposed, and they also made some good points about the training and not necessarily proficiency. I don't think anyone comes out an expert marksman because they've proved that they know how to shoot their gun. Uh, but as far as the training part about shoot, don't shoot, the liabilities, uh, use of, uh, of, of, of fatal force, those type of things, uh, there's a lot of merit to that. But then again, there's a lot of red tape, and some people don't want to go through it. And the money thing, I was amazed. I saw your figures that you dug up, and I had no idea that that program generated that kind of money. Yeah, luckily, a, uh, a buddy of mine works at the Louisiana State Police. Um, yeah, you said they do about uh, 100,000 permits through LSP, Louisiana State Police, which is where they process those uh, concealed carry permits. And um, if everybody did a five-year, some people are doing lifetime. It's not even counting that. Just five-year permits, uh, 100,000 at 125 each, $25 a year for five years. Um, that's 12.5 million. Do you want to divide that um, by five years? You know, yearly, it's two and a half million dollars a year that they get just from five-year permits um, of people getting a concealed carry and then renewing it um, on a yearly basis. That's a lot of money. I've never known Louisiana or any, um, you know, anybody to turn down that kind of money like that. So I'm sure they're going to put up a fight. I mean, I have, what do you think? I have very mixed feelings about that. The more I work at a gun store, um, the more the the water gets muddied. It's got a lot of pros, um, but it has a, a couple cons as well. I mean, the obvious pros are that it's beneficial to our Second Amendment, which is always, um, you know, a right that we want to preserve. Uh, society as a whole is also going to be perceived um, to have more armed good guys in it. You know, when you have more armed citizens, usually the crime rate tends to drop. It's only when you got a bunch of armed bad guys that the crime rate goes up. But, I mean, there's a, a couple cons, um, and it doesn't make sense not to bring those up just because we, you know, think that that bill should probably pass. The cons would be that most of those people um, are going to be action movie fans and they're not going to have any real training one of the the big benefits of taking that class um is that when you come out of the course i mean we don't try to scare you by any by any stretch of the imagination but most people when they come out of that course have a broader understanding of what's going to happen if they take their gun out and shoot somebody with it uh, a lot of people don't realize that you can't shoot over uh, theft of property. Um, just because somebody's on your property, that does not mean that you get to shoot them and kill them. Um, and then the more you're in the gun community um, and think that way, it's kind of like you ever go into a, uh, you know anybody that, like, a couple of my buddies box, you know, they fight semi-professionally, and they um, they never get into a fight outside of boxing. You know, they have a, a, a better understanding of how things can go wrong. They're more um, centered. They know that they can can fight and do damage. So outside of the ring, they don't want to fight people. You know, it's um, the, the better you get at fighting, I think, the less you want to fight random people because you know that you can really hurt them. You know the consequences. It's kind of the same thing for more um, of the gun community that take those classes. The more that they understand 
how the laws work um, and the response, the huge responsibility that they have if they plan to carry a gun on the side of the good guys in public. Um, you know, they don't want to turn this into the Wild West. I think a lot of the people that just get into it um, are oddly excited about, you know, showing showing you their gun, taking their gun out and showing it to you what they're carrying. And the more you get into it, the more classes you take. Um, an all-day permit class gets you on the, the right path. Usually those people come out of that class not wanting to, you know, shoot invaders or people that find themselves on their property um, just willy-nilly like that, which that is a huge benefit. I mean, the more people that understand the law and know the consequences of their actions and can, you know, be on the good guy's side and be a good guy at the same time, um, that's hugely beneficial to the way that the outside views the gun industry. So that, you know, I worry a little bit about that. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like you. I'm a little bit on the fence. The strongest argument, and I had Representative McCormick on, on a radio interview, and the strongest argument he makes is one that you and I have heard and actually used is that the bad guys don't care about the law. You know, if they, they don't care about having to go get a permit to conceal a weapon, if they're a bad guy, they're going to do it anyway. And so what you end up doing is you're penalizing the law-abiding citizens and making them jump the hoops and spend the money to, to go through all that to get it. On the other hand, I agree with you 100% that someone who completes a hunter education, or not a hunter education, but a concealed carry permit class is better informed. They're more up on the laws, and if nothing else, they are aware and made aware that there are certain places, even though you have the permit, and in the case of not requiring one, if you just can go anywhere concealed, that you can't go anywhere. There are certain places that you are forbidden from bringing a concealed weapon. And someone who has not had the course and learns those and learns how to find out and keep up with the laws is still going to be held accountable to them, but they're not going to have the knowledge of them. And that is one of the things. So I don't know. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe without the money, maybe if you, if you keep the courses going and if you go just take the course, and, and get a little certificate from the person that gives the course, maybe that would suffice to be able to carry it without an official, uh, you know, state police uh, pictured ID of it would, would, would suffice. I, I don't know. I'm still a little mixed on it, but, uh, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to both, and I think this is going to be a very close call this time when it gets to the legislature. There's been attempts before, but I think this one may get a little bit of steam. Yeah, I think it uh, just like Atlanta, um, Georgia, and Georgia as a whole, they do kind of a mixture of what we're talking about. They have um, a course guideline that you can get online. Um, you show up at, uh, I don't know if it's kind of like a DMV. It's kind of like those title places that can issue, um, you know, updated licenses and updated ID cards. And you take a brief computer test, you know, that kind of reviews what you should have read the, you know, the day or two before when you come to take the test. It's quick, it's 15, 20 minutes, but it does, you know, go over some of those laws about, look, if this happens, you can't do this. This is the only reason why you should do this. Um, and it breaks down the main points, uh, and then they issue you a, a little permit pretty much on the spot. Um, it's much cheaper because there's less overhead to run that kind of organization that way. Um, so I think there's a, a middle ground that we could probably reach, but... Um, but it's interesting to, to look at both sides of it, actually look at both sides, you know, and not 
just get thrown into one and, and fight it to the death. Do you think, uh, so we just talked about two, um, last one, constitutional carry. What do you think in the next 50 years, what are, what are you going to be left with in half of a century? You know, like when our grandkids are, you know, old and gray, you think they're going to have guns? <laughs> then? Uh, it, it's, it's pretty scary. Uh, just looking at this, uh, uh, democratic, you know, selection of a presidential candidate. And, you know, part of what their plan is, is if they finally get enough uh, steam and momentum to actually win the presidency, uh, they're going to be, uh, you know, if you listen to what they're saying, and I mean, it's not a guess. I mean, you go online to their websites and they're talking about no borders, completely open borders. That's so crazy. Free, education, free college. And you know what the next step is going to be? You won't have to be a citizen to vote. You'll be, if you're an immigrant, illegal or legal or documented or undocumented, once they get those votes, they will win every election in this country. And that's when you're going to really see the chaos and the, the, the amendment, the Second Amendment, uh, be really threatened and guns could be gone away and only in the hands of the, the people in control. That That is the scary part. I think that's their ace in the hole. I don't think that the present population – of the United States is going to support socialism and a lot of these programs. But if they can get it to where those immigrants uh, buy into what they're saying and become voters, it's, it's going to be a landslide in their favor. I mean, we've got, we don't even know the number, but it's somewhere between 15 and 22 million illegal immigrants living in this country. Right. A lot of them are working, you know, working just as says they get driver's licenses now, they get benefits. And if they get that right to vote, uh, you know, it could be curtains for the Second Amendment. I hate to see that, but uh, that that's the scary part. All right, let's take a break, Devin. When we come back, uh, hunting season uh, coming to a close. I made my last small game hunt yesterday. Had a good one. And we've got to let people know what to do about cleaning and long-term storing their firearms. And by the way, I want to mention, uh, I, I just picked up a repaired gun, an A1 guns. I know you guys use them. Rob over there did a great job. I had a a safety issue on an over and under 12 gauge and he took care of it uh he actually had to go above and beyond and, and make a spring that was no longer available for the manufacturer to fix it but he did a good job nice. but just cleaning it and storing it putting up for the season uh maybe you got some suggestions and also i know you got some hunting and uh, outdoor related items and supplies over there at the store that people don't think about you might want to talk about too sounds good We'll do that when we come back right after this. If you'd like to call us, it's 504-260-6368. Text board open at 870-870. We're back right after this. And Devin is the manager of the Jefferson Gun Outlet, located on Airline Drive out there in Metairie. And, uh, Devin, we're talking about hunting season uh, coming to a close. I mean, for all intents and purposes, a couple of things open for the most part. Deer, duck, small game, rabbit, and squirrel. All that is closed. So people this time of the year getting ready to put their guns up and store them. Some of them, and not until next season, will they be used. So what do you guys suggest for uh, firearm cleaning, for storage for several months? Right. So so every year there's about a 30-day window where I get so depressed I want to crawl into a hole and never return. They The guys come in with guns that they haven't used in a year to two years to five years some guns have been sitting in their safe or under their bed forever um 
and if they st- if they're stored improperly, uh, the gun will be ruined by the time you you get to it. Um, silicone, silicone-based oil is is a godsend when it comes to preserving firearms. Um, obviously, if you hunt and you're going to store your firearm, make sure that it's unloaded. It's in a safe spot where nobody else can get to it. No kids, nobody that shouldn't have access to the gun can get it. Make sure you clean it a deep clean with a solvent and then oil it with an oil. And uh, silicone rags, if you're unfamiliar with them, those are they work wonders as far as preserving the finish um, on your firearm. Wipe them down with that. And then every time that you handle a firearm, you know, your gun, you take it out to, uh, I don't know, look at it or show your buddy or just kind of fool around with it or you want to keep cleaning it. Once you're done, it's also important that because there's oils, you know, on your hands, that you use an oil-based rag or a silicone-based oil rag to um, to just go over the, the outside of it, the finish of it, before you store it. Uh, we also don't recommend those long gun or handgun bags that are um, have that fake... I guess it's like a, I don't know what they call it, like a fake wool. It's like a fake sheepskin lining or something. Because if they're dry and any moisture gets to that gun, it's it's going to somehow turn into glue almost. And, and the firearm's going to be stuck to that case. You're going to have to almost cut it out or burn it off. That happens quite a lot, too. What do you do anything specific? You ever take one of your guns out and got a little bit of surface rust or pitting or something crazy happen where it's looks totally different from when you put it up. Yeah. And you know, I think what you're talking about is those those fleece line that's gun it. cases. You know, they they're real soft and I guess you would think, man, that's a great way to store my gun. It won't get damaged because it can absorb shock and all that. But that stuff is not good for your gun at all. And really you should take it out of any case and you know, best place of course is in the safe or on the rack and I guess that silicone base is good because it, it fights moisture, and moisture is the enemy of, of metal. I mean, that's what causes a, a rusting problem. Uh, do you guys do any of that if people bring it in, or do you turn everybody over to, like, A1 or professional gunsmith? No, we do. We clean in oil. We invest it in a in a industrial-grade um, bath wash for firearms. It's um, kind of like a dishwasher, but for guns, um, we a sonic cleaner if anybody wants to look it up and check it out they're not cheap but they do work very well um it's a sonic cleaner and then we clean them after that's done we go through them by hand um make sure it got all the internals of the gun clean and then we do the same thing but with an oil bath um it's a non-solvent based solvent and then a an oil-based oil bath Uh, and that works well but i mean again if you you know, a lot of guys don't, you know, they take it home and before they actually put it up, you know, they'll kind of, you know, fool around with it a little bit or go to their buddy's house and show them what they were hunting with. And by the time they get back home, most of that oil on the outside of it is gone. Um, so a silicone rag works wonders. you got to buy one every six months or so because it dries out. But, um, but yeah, if you have a silicone rag and you store it somewhere where it's uh, not going to get moist or damp you know a climate controlled area somewhere in your house uh, it'll last forever won't ever rust also leather is terrible you know great holsters can be made of leather but you don't want to ever store your gun in anything that's leather leather is not gonna um 
you know, if it gets moist or anything, it's going to hold that moisture against the gun. Some of the worst guns that have ever come into the, the store were stored in in leather holsters um, for long periods of time. And the gun look, it's very, it's kind of interesting. The gun will look great, you know, until you remove it from the holster. And every part that was hidden under that holster is just a a pitted, rusted, you know, disaster. So no leather. And no, uh, what did you what did you call it? it? Looks like the fur that's on fleece. you know women's boots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fleece. There you yeah, go. Fleece, no fleece, like a sheepskin looking thing. Yeah, you know that leather. I think there's a lot of salt content in there too, which is another enemy of metal. You know, moisture and salt will put rust on them in a heartbeat. Yeah, they don't drain. You know, any any moisture, right. they just hold it right up against the gun, and oh, it's sad, sad, sad. Destroy your gun. Hey, I wanted you know, to. Uh, <laughs> The black powder, that's especially dirty weapon that needs a good cleaning. You know, really, I clean mine after every time I shoot it for black powder because if you don't, you never know if it's going to fire or not because there's so much fouling that gets in there. What do you use for your black powder when you go hunting and then you don't shoot it or at the end of it, do you, do you just shoot it to clear it out? A lot of guys come in with black powder and it's a mess getting that out of there. It's almost like a semen block after a year or two. You know, if you if you load your black powder gun and then you don't shoot it and then you forget that it's loaded and then you store it, um, you just shoot it when you're done. Do you even black powder hunt? Yeah. yeah, I, Oh, yeah, I do. And, and on the last time of the season, last day, if I haven't shot it, I will shot it to get those, get all of that out of there. Because you know what could happen, too? Somebody over a year's time, they forget that it's still loaded oh, yeah. and reload with a double charge, and then you really got problems, you know? Right. So I wanted to, uh, I had promised a uh, customer, <laughs> oh, I'm, such, I'm so goofy, I'm, I promised a customer I would ask you, have you ever, uh, it's funny how things come in waves, right? So the gun store is so, so funny how, how people come in and without knowing each other, it comes in like uh, these waves of interesting and odd, you know, people that have odd and interesting ideas. There were, some guy was watching something. Uh, and he listens to our show. He was watching something on Science Channel or Sci-Fi or something where these people were being held hostage in their house by uh, by um, some kind of monster or something. I don't know what it was. You ever seen anything? I told him I would ask you. Who would be more, you know, spending more time outside than you? You ever seen anything interesting like that? Anything that's uh, like an archetypal, strange, unusual thing i don't know anybody that's outside more than you so i figured you might any i don't know bigfoot ufos i promised him i'd ask you anything goofy <laughs> I've, like I've that had, i've had some um some uh, i don't know what you want to call them that they were uh and it was just something that appeared to be something that it wasn't and there was a logical explanation for it however there is one that haunts me since I was a child. I mean, probably back five or six years old. And I saw something in the woods. I was by myself that I've just, it's its like I saw it yesterday because it came to mind so often. It's unexplainable exactly what it was. But it appeared to be some type of an animal that was part goat and part something else. And I guess if people who have been around Metairie for a long time, they used to call that the grunch. But huh. before I even heard the word grunch, I, I saw this as a child and just imprinted on my brain. And I don't know whether it was something else that I thought it was, but that. 
The only other thing that I can tell you about, and, I, and I'm planning to have this guy come on. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with a case that happened, I think it was in 1960, it was either late 60s or early 70s. Two guys were fishing under the bridge on the Pascagoula River. I know exactly what were, you're talking about. Go ahead. Oh, this is a good they story. They were abducted by aliens, brought into a spacecraft. They were kind of examined. They couldn't move, but th- their senses were about them, but they were completely powerless. Uh, they did whatever they did to them, and then they released them and put them back. And uh, there's been you know, people that they've taken lie detector tests and passed. Or one guy, uh, actually the younger one, who was still alive, the older man has since died, both of them, he went to his grave swearing that the story was true. Uh, the police chief that interviewed him, a psychiatrist that administered uh, a lie detector test, they passed. And the conclusion was whether it happened or not, we don't know. But they truly believe it did happen to him. Uh, judging from the backgrounds on these two guys and reading books, uh, one of them has had an author help him write the younger one. And um, I believe something happened to those two guys out there. They've never capitalized on it. They didn't try to get rich. This was before the days of putting something on YouTube and going viral and having people, you know, have you do guest appearances and all of that kind of thing. And and even since then, they have found people who, if they've gone back and on that same very night that this happened, uh, saw things that kind of corroborate their story about something with lights that came in the sky. And, I mean, when when you look at that whole scenario in terms of, how big this universe is because it's infinite and infinite is a term or phenomenon we can't truly understand or comprehend because our whole world is limited our world but the entire world is not that the possibility of other beings and other solar systems and other galaxies in this universe uh, certainly the, the odds are in their favor that they exist now whether we've coincided and we've actually and, uh, you know, communication and occurrences with each other, I don't know for sure. But uh, in this one particular case, uh, I believe the guy. And um, I got I talked to the author of the book, and we're lining it up because I wanted to do a story on that, a show on that, and have people call me and tell me when they're in the woods, have you ever seen anything that was unexplainable at night or, you know, certain things that just had no explanation for what it was or what you saw. That was uh, that was a good story. Thank you, man, for sharing that. I have to tell him if he wasn't <laughs> listening. That's I'm so uh, so amazed by most of that stuff. But um, well, we'll let him know when I have him come on because I'm planning in the next few weeks of, of getting the guy to come on and tell the story because he he wants to tell it now. Uh, he almost kind of lost it and uh, he kind of went in hiding for a number of years because he just was overwhelmed with the, the reporters and all the publicity and he wasn't used to that. He was basically a country boy. But he's since kind of changed, and now he's willing to really tell the nice. story. So I anyway, we'll, him on we'll do that. All right, let's take another break, and we come back. Uh, we'll talk about any items that people might want to check out that's hunting-related or if you pack yourself into the woods. And I always bring a little kit. Depends on where I am and where I'm going, what degree of, of life-saving equipments and devices I bring with me. And then a little bit later on, very interesting, the Gatlin gun story. You guys have really opened up a can of anacondas with that Pittman Armory Gatlin gun, and we're going to have Duke come on and talk more about that. Stan DeBuke and Devin Burgess, we're talking guns right here on WWL 105.3 FM HD2. Uh, Devin, uh, for your friend's information and for yours, too, uh, the name of those two 
co-workers who were abducted when they were fishing uh, under the Pascagoula River Bridge in Mississippi was in 1973. Charles Hickson was the older man. I think he was 42 or 43 when it happened, and Calvin was 19. And Calvin has agreed to come on and, and, and tell his story probably for the 999,000th time. But I think it will be very interesting. We'll let your buddy know when that, that's getting ready to come on. Yeah, and me, let me know. I'm interested to hear it. Oh, definitely, definitely. We may get him on this show. You want him on Talking Guns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do I'll that. Ask him some questions. I'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd like that. All right, tell me about uh, items that you guys now have added to your uh, shooting supplies and, and firearm store that might interest hunters and other people who go in the outdoors. i tell you, the most valuable little tool I've got, I don't even know the official name of it, but it's one of these, uh, it's like a screwdriver, and it has a magnesium uh, shaft and a wooden handle, and you bring a pocket knife with you, and you scrape it, and you can start a fire on almost anything. It will burn even when wet. You just get a little bit of uh, grass, uh, damp grass or moss or uh, pine straw, and you can actually start a fire with this thing. And I don't ever go in the woods without that. It permanently stays in my backpack. Now, when I'm fishing or duck hunting, I'm underwater, whole different situation. I mean, we've got flares. I've got one of these uh, reflective space blankets, they call them. You know, a thing comes in handy for a number of reasons. And we actually did a TV feature where my cameraman went up in a, a Coast Guard helicopter, and I went with two guys in a camouflage boat wearing camouflage, and we we ran it up into the marsh, as, pretending as if we were duck hunters, to demonstrate how tough it is, even from a helicopter, knowing a general area, to actually find you when you're camo. And if your motors broke down or you're stuck on a mud flat uh, in January when duck hunting season, the water's cold and the tides are out and there's a lot of mud or somebody gets wet, that is a life-threatening situation. So those little items like that, a whistle, a lot of things like that are extremely important to have. They're very cheap, inexpensive. And in fact, I would suggest to you that maybe you put a little pack together and market it with some of those items in it. I'll give you a list of what I think is good and offer that for sale. I think uh, you might save somebody's life by selling. Right? It. Have you ever gotten stuck somewhere and like, man, this is? I'm glad I brought, you know, this. But I didn't have this. Um, no. I've been fortunate. Now, I have been lost for several hours and eventually found my way back to the road or the truck, wherever it was. Uh, but as far as being marooned and staying for a long time, uh, the longest I spent, I spent 12 hours in a duck blind. But what happened was we the, 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 the surface drive boat we were in broke down. The rescue surface drive boat that came to get us broke down. Oh, and we had to find and wait for a third one. But it was it, it was all before it got dark, and it wasn't that bad. And it was just a long duck hunt. I kind of enjoyed it, actually. How do you, you have one of those GPS phones? We were thinking about stocking uh, a couple of those. How did you get in touch with the, you know, the guy? Well, we were using you. radios back then. We, gotcha. we were using the little walkie-talkie radios when they were popular. It wasn't that far from the camp where they had that, you know, but uh, cell phone service wasn't any good back then at that time. But, you know, they can actually locate you from your from your cell phone. Right. Sure so they'll pick it up even without, you know, being in the off in the boonies with no, no service. It, it can pick well, it up the best thing to do is have a Coast Guard radio, you know, with one of those uh, Coast Guard radios. Right. There's a certain channel that they monitor, and they can relay messages, and you can get messages to them. Uh, cell phones, everybody likes to use them because they're convenient, but they don't always work everywhere. And you know what? 
A lot of people find out they don't work well at all if you drop them in the water, and that happens a lot with fishermen. Right, right. We saw a lot of those uh, those little packs, those heating packs, too, for your hands and your feet. Oh, the hand thing. Yeah, those are great also. Uh, Martha loves those things. She's always got five or six of them on her everywhere we go. You know? Right. So and space some people planted. put them in their boots. Yeah, in their yep. boots and your gloves. A whistle, flare, and then this little, I don't know what it's called, but it's a, it's got a wooden handle. And it looks like a screwdriver, and the shaft coming out is made of magnesium. And if you got that in a pocket knife, and uh, you know, magnify. Actually, what you do is you can make a spark with it. You know, you right? Put it looks kind of like shavings. a uh, like a knife sharpener almost, right? Yeah, like yeah. A... I'll bring it into the store and you can look at it. But you shave some of the the magnesium off. You let that on whatever it is the tinder that you're going to start the fire with, and then you can actually, when you strike it, it actually makes a spark and it will ignite it. Yeah. Or if you got a sunny day, a magnifying glass. I'm sure you've, uh, you know, when you were a kid, you. Some kids, I am told, now this is not firsthand, but some kids, I am told, used to use a magnifying glass on grasshoppers. <laughs> we used to burn each other with them. Somebody would fall asleep in the car. You'd Better than a grasshopper, I guess. Yeah. Uh-huh. You're good. You could burn somebody, yeah, pretty so bad. So anyway, we're well, good. Look, Devin, uh, Go ahead. Yeah, we're gonna let's take a break because we got Drew. We got Drew standing by. Everybody oh, I wants forgot to hear about, about Drew. Gunman. I forgot about Drew. He's there. Right. He's there. We'll be right back after this timeout and talk to Drew. He's going to tell us all about the Gatlin gun from Tipman Armory. They got one over there at Jefferson Gun Alley. Go try it. We'll be back right after this. Devin, uh, while we were in the break, I went and actually got my little device, and I was hoping it had a name on it, but it doesn't have a brand name, no product name. It's just a little wooden dowel with a hole through it where I guess if you wanted to run a little cord to maybe, you know, wear it around your neck, and, you know, then it extends out, like you said, like a knife sharpener. It's a magnesium tube that you can scrape, and then when you hit it, it also will initiate a spark, and it's how you get fires started in an emergency. But anyway, somebody will have the name for it and remind us about it. In the meantime... We have a special guest. We do a gun product of the month uh, each week, uh, each month when we have the Talking Gun Show. And, uh, Devin, why don't you tell us about this week's product and our guest that's going to discuss it with us. So this product has a special place in my heart. So I'm going to keep it short because we got Drew, and Drew's a super interesting dude and really nice guy, too, that we met. Um, he worked for Titman Armory. We had uh, received a, a couple Gatlin guns that we had ordered. I, f- I found them online, got in touch with Drew, um, and ordered a few Gatlin guns. It was the first Facebook post that we ever had that kind of went viral. We did some pictures of it and then did a, um, a shooting it in the range, and it had like 5 million views. Um, by the way, if you have a business, don't put your cell phone number on Facebook. Or your wife will kill you while you sleep. I didn't know what was going on. The first day. You five know, million five, with uh, an M. Huh? That's think, incredible. That's I think incredible. it has like 4.6 million views right now. And then I think the video has um, a few hundred thousand. So, yeah, it's a, it's crazy. But anyway, I put my number on there. And uh, 2 o'clock in the morning rolls around. And my phone kept ringing. I didn't know what was going on. And the people from all over the country calling me about a, this Gatling gun. So we're going to get Drew. From Tipman Armory to tell us about it. Drew, you with us? I'm here, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you for coming. So thank you, first of all, for making something that is so cool. Everybody that comes into the store automatically gravitates towards it. Uh, they want to shoot it. We've sold a ton of them. They're not cheap, but, I mean, they are so cool. It's one of the few things that your, my, your wife might let you put in the middle of your living room because it's so pretty. Who, what mad scientist genius <laughs> at Tipman Armory... 
<laughs> created this thing, um, and how long well, did it take I'll you, the concept? You, uh, Denny Sr., Denny Tipman Sr., who uh, he was kind of a, he's kind of a gun legend in his own right. He, uh, in the early 80s, was making little mini Browning 19, 19 full autos, uh, 22s, uh, people who, who were in the gun game back then know who Denny Tipman is. So um, he's been in the game. Then he got into Tipman paintball, and that's a whole different story. But it was uh, December 2018. He came in the office and decided he wanted to to get back into the 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 weird game of guns. You know, something different. He he was tired of you know all, everything was just the same. There's nothing new out there. So he came in and said he wants to do a Gatling gun. Uh, we threw a prototype together in a couple weeks took it down to SHOT Show, and it was a hit. So six months later, we were shipping them out the door. We decided to go with, obviously, uh, the 9 millimeter that takes Glock mags. Um, it's kind of spreading across the country now. People are starting to see it. People are starting to love it. Uh, it's been a real big hit for us. Right. So what uh, what is your job title at Tipman Armory? Uh, sales. I do, well, I mean, I wear a couple different hats, but... Um, you know, my title is, I, I just, I run the sales department, um, you know, keep everybody their gun, get their guns, keep everybody happy. Um, you know, you do, uh, you made us very happy. We yeah, well, you know, Devin, that's, that's what I like to do, man. And I, and I appreciate uh, you guys, uh, you know, the relationship we have with you guys is great. So I hope we can keep that going. Did anybody send you that video? I mean, I had people calling me from Alaska, from Texas, from New York, from, <laughs> yeah, I mean, people, everywhere. Yeah, people call in and say it's all, all over Facebook. Yeah, I get phone calls about the Facebook posts all the time. Well, that's great, that's, man. That's great. So how long did it take you from the time that he walked in the door and said, um, I got this crazy idea to make a 9-millimeter game? I think it was uh, December of 2018, and then the first one we shipped out, I believe, was July 2019. That's so cool. So for people listening that can't see it, um, it's, I don't know if they're familiar with Gatling guns or not, but it's a multi-barreled, rotating, crank-operated firearm that takes Glock magazines. It's in 9mm. The cool thing is y'all ship it with, it's the the firearm itself, um, a lead or a, I don't know, something that attaches to a base and it has wheels on it. It's so cool. Right. I mean, the wheels are actual rubber. They're, you know, you fill up the yeah, tires. Yeah, kind of a different take on the old Gatling gun wheels. You know, typically they have wood spoke wheels, but we kind of we kind of went with that new the new look. Um, also, that keeps that keeps the price down. Um, with that, one of our main goals for this gun was, you know, if you look at look at Gatling guns, any other Gatling gun on the market, um, the Colt, they're, they're forty five thousand dollars. You know, at least. So yeah, so we wanted to keep it down to where you know. Anybody could really afford it if they wanted to. So that was that was one of the main goals that we were shooting for. So other than coming in Jefferson Gun, where can uh, our listeners go to view your line of products? Um, find you can get on tippinarmory.com. Uh, um, you can check us out there. We also, if there's a link on that to, uh, we also we have another site, of, a, a little eh, a little small dabble on air guns. Um, there's Air Ordnance, which is a company of ours as well. So airordnance.com. TipmanArmory.com. You can find all our stuff there. That's great. What uh, MSRP on those Gatling guns? MSRP on the Gatling guns is five thousand dollars. Yeah, like you said, most of them, um, most of the ones I see on gun broker and stuff are between sixty and eighty thousand dollars. If you want an actual functioning, right, right. Gun. You want one of the old Colt with the Bulldogs or you know anything in that in that line. Those things are just those things are outrageously expensive. So. Yeah, man, so cool. So what uh, did you get? A, I wanted to ask you, too. I was thinking about it last night. 
and don't be mad at me. Did you get somebody from Texas that called you in the last couple of weeks? A guy called me uh, and bought one. Uh, out of the five we sold, out of the five we sold, we didn't sell a single one in Louisiana, which made me very upset. But somebody in Texas bought one, and then he called back about a week later and said that he tried to mount it to his four-wheeler. And uh, I don't know if he was uh, drinking a little bit, but his four-wheeler went over the side of a, a cliff or a mountain or something, tumbled down with the gun on it, and then he wanted me to fix it. I, didn't, I told him, I don't know how to fix that. you got to call Tipman Armory. So I, I yeah, no, no, I have not got that phone call yet. All right, uh, maybe it's still at the bottom of the mountain, but he might be oh, calling. Oh, man, me. I can't wait till that guy calls yeah, it. Sorry uh, about that. It's all right, man. But that's so nobody great. in Louisiana bought one, huh? Well, yet. I said, I'm holding yeah. out hope, Drew. Okay, all right. Hope all is right. big for me. Somebody in Louisiana is going to pick one up. But we sold all. We had three of them that you sent us. Um, we sold those immediately. We actually sold five, and you were awesome enough to send us three more uh, a couple weeks ago. So we got one in the store. Um, we sold all of them in like six hours after that. Really, that that's post awesome. Yeah, they're viral. when people see them, when people get their hands on them, they they want them because they're they're not you know. We didn't skimp on the process. The 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 way they're built, um, it's just you know it's top notch. Really is. Yeah, I was so surprised when we got them, and everybody that looks at them and actually puts you know gets hands on with them, it's all the same thing. They can't believe, first of all, that it's that doesn't seem inexpensive, but that's pretty inexpensive for a functioning, right. well made. I mean, it's got brass. Uh, yeah, and the machining on it is you know. If you if you understand machining, you you look at it and you're like, there's no way this can sell for five thousand dollars. Yeah, because it's real tires. It's got real air inflated tires, <laughs> not those plastic uh, kid tricycle right. tires. It's super right, cool. Right, right. I'm glad to hey, have. Hey, uh, Dev, Devin and Drew, before we run out of time, <laughs> the burning question. I'm getting people want to know what is the red tape in getting this? Does a simple Nick's background check get it, or do you need special permits? Yeah, yeah, you're, you're ready. Forty-four seventy-three. We'll get it. Going to class or what? No, no, just a 4473. It's considered a semi-auto. So, you know, it's just like picking up a rifle or a shotgun. You go, um, there's, it's not an MFA, you know, there's no, no tax stamps, no nothing. It's, uh, it's legal. Um, you know, you just got to do a transfer through an FFL, and that's it. So cool. Don, you need wow. one. You know, there is, it comes with a 33-round yeah, yeah. Glock mag. Um, that, it, that does hinder some, some states, you know, the 10-round 10, 10 capacity. Um, so you can run into that, but as far as the gun itself, it's totally legal. Yeah. All right, Drew. Well, thank you. Is Don, it only you a got? nine millimeter, or are there other calibers? It's other only calibers a nine millimeter only right nine now. Millimeter. Um, we're trying to talk the boss into a couple different calibers, but we'll see. But right now, nine millimeter is all we're. Oh, doing. I'd love to see. I'd love to see a twenty-two. I'd be 22, the meanest guy in the squirrel that's, woods. That's what everybody yeah. wants. The twenty-two. So we're trying. I'm trying to talk him into it. So we'll see. Yeah, good luck. I hope you convince him. Right, me too. Me too. All right, Don, it's about that time. Drew, Drew thanks, thanks for being again. with us. We appreciate it. Hey, guys, it. Yes, I appreciate, it uh, appreciate you having me on. Thank you, brother. Yep, you guys take care. Devin, if someone comes by the store, can they get a demonstration, or did you sell the last one you had? No, no, we can um, we can test fire it before you or after you purchase it. Um, but yeah, as soon as they buy it, they can take it on the range. We had one that we were test firing, but somebody, um, it was the last one that we had a few weeks back. So somebody bent my arm and made us sell it to him. But yeah, buy it. I'll let you shoot it. Absolutely. If you want to see it again, on Facebook page, Jefferson Gun, see me shooting it. You come by and shoot it. Like you said, those squirrels won't know what hit them. Tell them the address. 
6719 <laughs> no. Airline Drive. No, they won't. Metairie, Louisiana, 7003. And then we do the Concealed Carry Classes Shooters Club at uh, 2338 Hickory every Saturday. So if you got nothing to do this morning, go get you a permit. This is the most interesting show I do. I love this I show. I love Thanks it. Thanks to you, Devin. Appreciate it. I'll Me see too. You later. Me too. Everybody does. Thanks again. <laughs> Talk see you to next, next time. month. Bye bye. Devin Burgess. All right, coming back after the top of the hour, uh, CBS Sports Update. We're going to be joined by uh, Josh Goins, Flyway Federation, Foul Mouth Talk Radio, coming up next on WWL 105.3 FM HD2, and you can catch us on the app at radio.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.